dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hello, listeners. This is Mother Natalia. Today's episode is Father Michael's, but the main star is actually a guest who came on with us. So if you enjoyed meeting Father Michael's parents, we have another relative. His niece, Shaylee, came on the show today. Um, show? We've never called it a show. I don't know why that just came out of my mouth. Anyways, so Shaylee is in her first semester of college, so she talks a little bit about that transition and what it's like to, um, especially as an introvert, to to meet new people when you're getting to college, and she just has like a really mature view of, of what that is. And um, then we transition into talking about singing and the beauty of singing in our worship and participating in the Divine Liturgy and in the Mass, and um, yeah, how to keep our gaze fixed on the Lord through the instrument of our voices. Um, if you are a hashtag banter hater, uh, there's a banter break about six minutes and 30 seconds after this intro, um, but then we kind of slip back into it until 12.30, so take your pick. Lords of Jesus Christ. Glory to him forever. Hello, ladies. Hello. This out of my camera. Hello. Father Michael and Ariana. <laughs> Hello, Shaley. Say something, say something deep and profound. See if people recognize your voice. Uh, you just said her name. <laughs> true. I, I want to see if they recognize the her voice. You spoiled the surprise. See, I think they would only recognize me if I just giggled the entire time, given my last experience. So. Oh, stop! It was a great podcast. This is this is Shaylee O'Loughlin. Uh, welcome, Shaylee. Um, same last name as me. Um, yeah, what a and she is my <laughs> she is my niece, my oldest niece. Mm-hmm. Um, the first of uh, the first of the next generation of O'Loughlins. She is Christopher and Stacy's oldest daughter, yep. oldest of four. And those of you who listen to the Catholic Stuff You Should Know podcast will remember her from the child likeness episode. Um, her and her mom, Stacy, who were both on, but Shaylee was the star. And you were turning 12? Yeah, it was for my Shaley? 12th birthday. Your twelfth birthday, um, wow! And now you are 18. 18. <laughs> so that was, <laughs> I was. I was like, maybe, maybe she's nineteen. I should know no, this. No, no, I'm turning eighteen. Um, it's because there are eighteen cousins, and I am eighteen. Yes. Okay. There we go. You yep. are, yes. Yeah, so we eight, eighteen. I have eighteen nieces and nephews in that generation, and Shaylee is the oldest, and the youngest is, uh, um. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, it's the singer's name. Adele. Right? Adele. Yes. <laughs> She's my goddaughter. <laughs> yes. Oh, you're a goddaughter. Uh, mother, don't. I, like, I, I forget all these things. I, I, the, anybody who I've ever forgot their name, I just forgot my niece's name. <laughs> so so <laughs> don't true. feel bad. The youngest one, too. <laughs> yeah, the newest one. She's the baby. I know the newest one. I, and I, I even knew what associated with. So my little niece, Adele, is the youngest. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's obviously 18 years difference between them. So She's welcome, Shaylee. Um, yep. Yes. He used, and this to, is, he used and to give then, me communion as um, under my the my confirmation saint mm. name, <laughs> um, which is St. Ursula. And uh, so he would um, give me communion as the handmaiden of God, Ursula. And then before I was a nun, obviously. Uh, and um, 
one time he like very clearly forgot and stumbled over it and then <laughs> just used my baptismal name. And then afterwards he said, I almost said, may the handmaiden of God see witch from Little Mermaid, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you just reminded me of with the not remembering Adele's name and like the one that's yeah. like the singer. <laughs> well, Father, Father Brian Escobedo, when he was giving communion, um, he would always, me and my mom look quite alike. Uh-huh. As you know, and he would always mix up me, my mom, and Claire. So he would like mm-hmm. say the S sound and then just kind of like murmur. <laughs> He'd be like, Handmaid of God's. <laughs> just okay. hope that it was one of them. That's really funny. Or he would like change his mind halfway through. He'd be like, Handmaid of God, Shacey. <laughs> Shacey. <laughs> That's yours and your mom's celebrity name, Shacey. Shacey, yeah. <laughs> yep. um, the. Uh, Father Brian Escobedo knew us, knew me when I was like 16, mm-hmm. 17. He was just a lay person in the parish I was. So um, he probably knew Stacy right about when she was Shaylee's <laughs> age now. That's so true. that almost that's makes crazy. sense. Yeah. 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 That's what I, I was telling I was telling Shaylee today. That's how I feel about um Sean and Rebecca's kids, the baby girls to be specific. It's like when they're born, they all look exactly the same. And so I always yeah. have this bizarre experience of I only go home once a year, pretty much, to Colorado. And so it's like every time I go home, there's Sean and Rebecca have a new baby girl, but then it, it just <laughs> seems like the last one never aged. <laughs> and it's like, oh no, this yep. is an entirely new one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so yes. strange. Yep. Um yep. like yeah, Bernadette and Nyan, they just all it's just so funny. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm the one who's in in charge, at least in like, at least between like my little nuclear family. I'm the one who's in charge of remembering all the cousins, birthdays, and middle names. So yeah, I'm like, because otherwise there are so many of them that it will get lost in translation, <laughs> which it has, it has. Is this... Is this something you were deputized to do, Shaylee, or was this just no. something that you ended up being the best at it? I think I just ended up being the best at it. Um, mm. I think, yeah. So if anyone can't remember someone's birthday, they text you and yes. say, when is so-and-so's birthday? Yeah, or like, which one is turning five? Because uh-huh. <laughs> that happened with my parents. I said, yes, it's Nellie's birthday this time. She's turning two or whatever. And then they went and bought a gift in Naya's size. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> <I told you>. oh. <laughs> so uh the Sean's the 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 sibling right below me has nine kiddos. Mm-hmm. So this is that's the hardest one for Shay to keep track of. Look, thank God she could do that. They all look the same. I feel like And then we have I, another audience of yeah. one here. So Ariana Johnson, who is associated with my family. Um they can't see you, but I'm letting Shaylee and uh, Mother Tully look at you again. None of this is being recorded on video. Only um, she'll be the laugh track behind me today, and uh, she is—I know her Shailene because she's a colleague. Laugh at your jokes. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> that, and dude. them only supposedly, yeah. And uh, <laughs> and so she is introduced to me by um, she's good friends and colleagues with my sister-in-law Seska, who is Joseph's wife. So mm. all of these, all these family connections today, and this Thanksgiving time. So this is good. I have my yeah. spiritual daughter. <laughs> My sister-in-law's close friend and my niece here. Mm-hmm. I feel loved and special. <laughs> so Shaylee's gonna be talking about adult likeness. No, since uh, <laughs> since I don't she know talked about childlikeness last time. 
and she is no longer a child. Um, sorry, I did cut you off, Mother. Were you going to say mm-hmm. something? No, it's fine. I don't, I don't even remember. It doesn't matter. Oh. <laughs> no, please. Oh, okay. Continue. Um, but I, I texted I texted Shaylee this morning and asked her, what are you passionate about and how can we tie it somehow into the faith and this podcast? And she said something like, I can look at my text, just music, right? Yes. Music. She said she's been in choir for a while. So while I was heading to the airport this morning to LAX to pick up um, Ariana. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I I know it's I've been saying Ariana. <laughs> She's laughing. I know her name, but it's just it, she she pronounced it Ariana and I pronounced it Ariana. Well, I've been saying um, Ariana my, because that's what you told me. <laughs> so I'm really sorry, it. Ariana. I know. I know. No, <laughs> she father, She told me she she told me earlier that her parents say both. So I, I I'm in good company with If it makes you feel better, Ariana, he forgot his niece's name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just a minute ago. Sixty seconds ago. <laughs> Yeah. So last night, I I, I met um, I met this. I was out with a friend, and, and he had a friend there, too. And and she she says something about the fact that she has ADD, and and it's really really hard for her to remember names. And I so I said to her, if I if I had a genie appear to me right now, although I just preached on how genies are demons recently, but anyway, if if I had a genie appear to me, and it was a good genie, um, and I had a wish, I, I think one of them would be to remember names. I, <laughs> I am absolutely horrendous. And so she said the same thing. And then I said, in my in my Christian Byzantine Catholic tradition, I have to say every name when they come up for the Eucharist. Um, it's like a sick joke that God doesn't just infuse me with this knowledge. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. I, I'm the opposite. I remember people's names to the point where it's creepy. Like... I will remember people that I met once several years ago and greet wow. them by their name, and they're like, "I have never seen you in my life. How do you know my name?" Yes. Oh, I uh, yeah, I I have a hard time because I just and Father Michael, this is your experience as well, but especially since becoming a nun, like I just meet so many people mm-hmm. so often. You know, it's like we go to this eparchial function where there's like 300 people and whatever. And, and they remember us because mm-hmm. it's not so hard to remember the seven nuns. <laughs> it's very hard to remember the 300 other people that you've met. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times like someone's come up to me and, and, you know, I'll say like, hi, I'm mother Natalia. And they're like, I know we've met three times. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm really sorry. I just, I'm a jerk. <laughs> um, it's me. really bad. Going to college, um, there are several people who I never learned their name through one way or another. They were introduced to me. We were in the same class. I just never heard their name. And so at this point, it would be awkward to ask. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. I just do not greet them by their name. And I just hope, I hope that one day someone else will say their name in front of me and then I will remember. But it's very awkward since we have never been introduced by name and they don't know my name. So they'll say, hi, Shay or hi, (laughs) Shaylee. Hello, person I definitely know. <laughs> well, one thing I was talking about last night, um, it was it was actually really good leisure time last night. I was out with with my friend who's an actor, and this this young woman has kind of has taken him on as a mentor because she's just getting into the world of acting. And so um, we were talking about confidence and things like this. And I was saying, you know, one of the things that has made allowed me to be as, as confident as I am is that I. My weaknesses are very, very obvious to people. We've talked a little bit about this. My weaknesses are very obvious to people, and I have so many people that love me, even though they know my weaknesses. Um, Mother Natalia included in this, um, and so, so she she knows what she knows. 
um, that like names are rough, are really hard for me. Remembering anything is um, returning phone calls and texts and emails. Like all those things are are are, are hard for me. And I, I I'm working on it. Probably not as hard as I should be though. Um, but I, I'm working on all these things, and it, it is it is very true. You you grow in confidence the more people see your weakness mm-hmm. and then care for you anyway, because that's true confidence. Fake confidence is when you, uh, people only know the mask we put up, mm-hmm. only the, the side we want to see, and that then that doesn't breed confidence. It brings breeds faith com- fake confidence because we think they only like us for the mask we put on. But when you see people really love you, and when they see you as your true self, that builds real confidence. And I was. So I, I DM'd her this morning to say like, hey, you know, just based upon your conversation with Lyric last night, um, I I want to want to say like, here's some of my thoughts on on vulnerability, on confidence, on on what it means to to have people in your life that really really know you for who you are, including your weaknesses, and and that vulnerability always involves a risk, mm-hmm. and but that that risk when 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 people push through the risk and love you anyway, that's that's a beautiful beautiful place to be in. Um, and so that's that's one thing I've learned, Shaylee, is that once you're, you're only first year of college, so you're going to get to know these people a lot better. But, but one thing I've learned is that is that if you just if you just own up to your weaknesses, and so I've just started saying now, sorry, I forgot your name, and yeah. I'm like and, and and people know that enough about me enough that I forget names all the time. That it's like I just it it makes life easier. But you do have to know people a little bit better than just yeah. being first year of college. So God started, bless you. I've started doing that a bit with my friends, where like. So all of them are extroverts. I am not. Mm. Um, and so they're the kind of people who like want to hang out all the time. And sometimes I just have to be like, hey, I need some recharge time. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. you know, my siblings understand this. My close friends who I grew up with <laughs> understand this. But having to explain that to people, like, I don't mm-hmm. not like you. I just don't like people right now. <laughs> and I need to be by myself for minimum an hour before I can talk to anyone. Yeah, you know what? And I don't know when when you're when you're counting the end of banter, mother. But I would actually love Shaylee if you if you would at all be open to kind of kicking off the more serious part of this podcast with something that was very very important to me. And if I thought through this, I would have asked you to do this for the entire podcast. But we'll get into singing and music in a moment. But I would love to hear. Because you went there and knew nobody, so she's at, mm-hmm. at Worcester College in Ohio, which is only what an hour from Christ the Bridegroom. Uh, um, hour but and her half. family's in Fort Collins, Colorado. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, the, she went there as I did twice to two different colleges and knew nobody. Um, and Shaley, what was that like being an introvert, especially? <laughs> and and. Like, what did the college do right? What did you do right? Because according to your Instagram, you have all kinds of friends, <laughs> lots and lots of them. I, I envy yeah. you immensely, and I would love to hear how that happened. So um, honestly, it was just going into it, knowing that the first week I was going to have to pretend to be an extrovert. Um, like, knowing that, like, and also knowing that, like, the first week I would have to put myself out there so that I wouldn't have to do that halfway through. Because it's much easier to put mm. yourself out there the first week than it is to get two months in and realize like, oh, I want more friends, you know? Hmm. So the first week, making sure like, um, me and my roommate actually went around and like knocked on everyone's doors on our floor and said hi. Wow. Or like saying yes to going to things, even though I felt like going and like watching TV by myself, <laughs> saying yes to going to things. And also like um, knowing which people to kind of like, spend more time with and which people to kind of keep as mm-hmm. casual acquaintances because a lot of people will say like oh yes this person 
they have a lot of friends. Therefore, if I'm friends with them, I will be popular. But maybe they're not a great person. And you can tell that from the... You can tell a lot of things when you first meet someone. So being okay with just knowing that not everyone is going to be your best friend. Um, Mm -hmm. And also, you know, saying yes to things that you normally wouldn't say yes to. Um, Like, you know, hanging out with people twice in a day was very strange for me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Or, and then also just like um, finding a couple people who you really click with at first and then they... I was lucky that, um, I say that my best friend, uh, one of my best friends, Nana or Nalini, um, she is an extrovert. And so she, I say that she just adopted me, um, because mm-hmm. she was like, you are mine now. And I was like, okay. Um, and then she, int- <laughs> she introduced me to a bunch of people. Um, and then that's nice. how I made a bunch of friends, um, along with, you know, making sure that I was putting myself out there and saying yes to things and, um, knowing that it was going to be uncomfortable for the first week, and also, you know, keeping in mind that everyone is uncomfortable for the first week. This is not, this is not an experience that is comfortable for anyone. Like everyone is uncomfortable, everyone is scared, everyone misses their parents, and everyone is in the same boat. Like, um, and so keeping that in mind is like the struggles that you're having when you first go to college, and even, you know, even now, um, you know you're not alone in your struggles and you just need to be able to talk to people about it. And then you'll find that everyone is feeling the same way. I also think that that's one thing I had to learn and I, I'm, I'm very proud of you and your wisdom mm-hmm. to understand that when you're 18 years old and starting college, mm-hmm. uh, because I think when I was 18 years old, if I remember correctly, I went in thinking everybody there was happier than me, smarter than me, funnier than me and had it all together and, and didn't, didn't uh, didn't need friends because they just mm-hmm. seemed so confident and so well and and I felt like I'm the only one who's kind of grasping it at a search for community or for looking for friends and then after a while we mature up and we say oh no mm-hmm. we're all here looking for friends and anybody who anybody who's like adamantly doesn't want more friends who doesn't want you as a friend it's kind of a sign there's plenty mm-hmm. of other people and and one day that person may come around too maybe they're putting a mask on and and have some woundedness or insecurity or something like this but if if there's a confidence like you did Shaylee going around from room to room with your roommate you know saying yes to going out letting an, an extrovert adopt you <laughs> um, I hear that from introverts all the time <laughs> like it, it, they they just they kind of find they find an extrovert comes and says like you said we want to be my friend or we're friends now or whatever. And you're like, okay. And, and, <laughs> and, uh, you got to be able to say no. That's an important thing mm-hmm. too, of course, if, if, if time goes on, but yeah, beautiful. I, I think that that's, that, that's, there's an immense confidence in you already. We all knew this about <laughs> you, Shaylee, of course, but, um, there's, there's a great confidence you want already and that's showing, um, in your, in the very beginning of your college <laughs> career. So God bless yeah. you. And, you know, one thing that my mom said is, you know, I was talking to her and I was kind of like doubting a bunch of stuff. I was, you know, it's typical, like end of the first semester stuff, you're stressed and all. And I was telling her all about this and she said, well, yeah, that's how everyone feels the first semester of college. That's how everyone feels when they're 18. That's how everyone feels when they're away from family. So hearing people to say, and not to say like, oh, everyone feels that as a way to um, say that what you're feeling isn't unique or isn't like isn't important but to say like yes everyone has gone through that you know I went through that everyone else is going through that at the same time and it's a very fine line between saying yes everyone feels that as a way to say oh you're not special in feeling this and um there's a difference between saying that and saying like yes everyone feels this and it's okay because everyone got through it Mm. so Shaylee's mom and my brother met at 
uh, college near near uh, your mom's home. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was she was born and raised in Farmington, New Mexico. Uh, the campus, the college was in Durango, right? Was it what? No, San... it was in New Mexico. Well, it was New Mexico. Mm-hmm. It was in Farmington then. Ah, okay. So she was she was close to home, mm-hmm. um, or at least close enough where she could probably see her family a little more often. Yes. Whereas you and I both went like across the country. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I came to I came to Santa Paula, California, and you went out to Worcester, Ohio. Um, so th- there is a now nowadays you have an advantage though. You know, you can <laughs> we can FaceTime you. Yes. Um, there was one time where I accidentally, and this was so it was so helpful for me to hear Shaley Bug, although I've not been that good at it since then. But it was there was one day where I was sitting in front of the church and I accidentally hit FaceTime on the family thread. Like instead of just texting something, I hit like FaceTime. So I FaceTime called everybody, like panicked and hung up. Like I didn't mean to FaceTime, and then they all just jumped on. Yeah, we all just started <laughs> and it was chatting. Great, yeah, and I was like, I got to do this more often. Yeah. Like, whoever's available for a family FaceTime chat, yeah. including Shaylee, who jumped on from Ohio, <laughs> it was uh, it was wonderful. Yeah. yeah, it is great to be able to. I actually just FaceTimed the other day during the birthday party, and um, it was fun just to like kind of you know they they would just pass the phone around, which was a little chaotic. Not gonna lie, it made me a little dizzy because um, <laughs> children are not the best at like keeping things steady. But also yep. just to like say hi to like even you know little Caleb, like oh, have you been working more on your phonograms? And he goes, yeah, I have. And I'm like, okay, yeah, pass me to grandma. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it's definitely technology is great for for homesick college students. Amen. All right. Well, thank you for. Um, I want to move in a little bit of music and singing um, into your passion. Uh, Shaylee, have I been a very good pastor to you until three years ago when I left? But um, have I been a good enough pastor to explain who Romanus the Melodist was, or Romanus the Melodist? Sounds familiar. That, she's being nice. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for being nice. Um, so Roman Catholics have St. Cecilia. Um, who's kind of the the pretty obvious patron saint? You know that um, Ariana. You knew Saint Cecilia, like patron saint of. Her feast day was yesterday. Her feast day was yesterday, supposedly. Um, thank you. Um, it was because it was. <laughs> I, we celebrated she, for Mother Cecilia. She, she's very well, very well known, of course. And there's Mother Cecilia, exactly at 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 uh, Christchurch Monastery. But um, in the in the east, of course, Saint Cecilia was such an early, early, mm-hmm. early saint and martyr that we adopt her as well. But she was outside of Rome, so a little, a little more, um, or she's buried outside of Rome, so a little, little more. A devotion in the West, but we have Saint Romanus the Melodist, who was a later. Um, he lived in the uh, sixth, seventh century, um, around that time, um, and he was a sacristan at Hagia Sophia, so the mm. big, big church in Constantinople, mm-hmm. the center of Christianity in the ancient world. He was a sacristan there, and according to the story I read, he he was asked to read either the epistle or some of the lecture parts on the vigil of the nativity of our Lord. So the Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. and it says he was so horrible <laughs> that he had to stop chanting and hand over the responsibility to somebody else. Um, so I don't know if that was somebody did the whole like shepherd's hook and yanked him off the stage like you see in, in cartoon <laughs> theater or, or whether he just had a nervous breakdown and stopped singing and stepped away <laughs> and somebody else had to step up. I've seen both those things happen in real life situations. Um, but anyway, he, he, was a, he was a monastic of sorts and so he went off and became kind of distraught and was praying and supposedly the mother of God appeared to him and had a kontakia, which the uh, mm-hmm. kontakia means two things in Greek. And so this is kind of a plan where it's a pun of sorts, but kontakia means scroll. 
literally. So the word Kentakia means scroll. And so, but when we hear, when we Byzantines hear Kentakia or Kentakian, we, it means one of the prayers along with the Traparia or Traparion, uh, plural and singular, um, that that we sing in every single divine liturgy and then also in, in many other services, um, the Office of Hours, et cetera. Um, but it's it's one of the two church composed prayers where there is a troparian kentakia for every single saint, for every single day of the week, etc. Um, they're just usually very short, you know, three or four sentences that describe the life of the saint or the story of the feast day or something about Christ's resurrection if it's on Sunday, etc. So um, Mary took this scroll, this kentakia, and 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 in this vision fed it to him, and and he he ate this kentakia, and all of a sudden he could sing mm -hmm. and he became, he ended up composing thousands, the story I read, thousands of Kentakia, thousands of, of little, um, the way I also learned about Kentakia were, were uh, their church, they're composed by the church. They're not scripture in other words. They're, they're prayers that are, are composed by the church, but the Kentakia are kind of like homilies, little sermons. And the way I, I made a call into Father David Petrus this morning, who's the the pro at all of these things, and he mm -hmm. said that um, that pretty much what it meant by a separate scroll was that you would have you would come to church, and whether you were praying the hours, the divine liturgy, the Kentucky was on a separate thing. So mm -hmm. because it could be easily edited like a homily or a sermon, so it was on a separate scroll. Um, but but. Um, Romanus the Melodist ended up composing many, many of these Kentakia once the mother of God, the Theotokos, gave him this gift of, of a voice. And then he composed all these and then an interesting piece of trivia. Um, you rarely see an icon of him alone, although you do is in some choir areas, in some uh, cantor stalls and in choir lofts, et cetera. But um, he is, he is always, almost always shown in the full-size icons of the holy protection of the mother of God, mm. which is the patron saint of our parish in Denver. It's the patron saint, uh, the patroness of my, of my parish here in Sherman Oaks in Los Angeles. It's also, she is the patroness of our eparchy mm -hmm. of Phoenix. And the reason why he's in those is because his feast day is October 1st, mm. which was trumped by the holy protection of the Lord of God. <laughs> um, so it was exactly, so for about, what, three, 400 years, it was his feast day alone. And then when the mother of God, Theotokos, appeared to the entire city of Constantinople, um, then then she got that feast. But so he's a kind of a secondary saint on that day. But we always include him. If you look at the, um, he was also ordained a deacon, by the way. But if you, if you look at that icon in the in the bottom, in the center of that, of that icon, there's usually a man standing in like a little, um, Ambon mm. type uh, mm -hmm. podium in the center, and he's uh, that's the deacon mm -hmm. Romanus the Melodist. That's singing. that's fascinating because I just made a wood print of the holy protection icon for Maddie as a birthday mm -hmm. gift um, nice. because she and I are both our home parishes are both holy protections, and then um, the eparchy of Phoenix and uh, and as I was doing the wood print, I noticed. Uh, well, now I know Romanus, and I was like, I I could not figure out who it was because like <laughs> Andrew and Epiphanius are somewhere else, and um, yep. so I didn't know who it was, and this was like a couple of days ago, and so that's just really, um, uh, but it's it's appropriate that it was trumped by by the Theotokos because she appeared to him in a vision, and she's the one who gave him this mm. gift to begin with, and so that's yep. kind of appropriate. Yeah, she said, and I'll, the feast I gave you your of, gift, so I'll steal your feast day. <laughs> I'm sorry, Shelly? I said, 
She said, uh, I gave you your gift, so I'll steal your feast day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I can trump you when I'm loving all down. And actually what I heard was that he would oftentimes, according to, again, the story I wrote, he would oftentimes, um, to be more, more monastic, he would go out outside of the city. And I guess the Church of Lacerne at that time was outside the city of Constantinople. Now it's inside, um, kind of like the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem. But um, it was outside the city, so he would go out there to, to pray. Hmm. kind of in ha, have a little semi-desert experience, if you will, of Pustinia outside of the city of Constantinople. And he would go to Blacerne, which is where Pokrov happened, where hmm. the Holy Protection event happened, was in that church um, in the year 9-11. He was in, like I said, I, the 6th or 7th century, so a few hundred years later. That's um, really cool. God came to the same place, yeah. So, Bug, what inspires you? Sorry, I, I call her Shaley Bug, so I just, just didn't <laughs> have to I'm, I'm not no, talking I like about being her, I'm talking to Shaley. Okay, so Bug, like, what, 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 what do you love about singing, especially in the context of the worship of prayer in the divine liturgy, et cetera? Yeah, well, um, for me, you know, I've I've grown up um, with the divine liturgy, so it was always just kind of like second nature. You know, I had those, I had the hymns memorized probably before I could even, you know, recreate them, just because they were constantly playing. Um, you know. Every Sunday I would hear them. So for a long time, it was just kind of like part of the church experience um, until I went to a Roman mass and I realized that there just wasn't that much singing. And so for me, that was kind of strange because for me, worship was always so, um, so tied to music because the divine liturgy is almost entirely sung, you know, so Mm -hmm. it was, um, it was almost for me, like strange to see it not that way. Um, so, and you then go to one of my Roman masses because we sing everything, <laughs> <laughs> which is entirely possible. Yeah, um, and then you know when I was uh, when I was ten, I had started to take an interest in music, um, and so I asked my grandma to teach me how to sing so that I could be in the choir, and that's when I started to realize like just how important it was that we did have these specific prayers that we sang in this specific way, you know, all the tones and everything because having it both the same every week brings on that sense of like, you know, the constant of this will always be here. This will always be the same. Mm-hmm. But then there are other things like the Taparia and the Kentakya are, that are different. So, and, you know, thinking back to the history of the divine liturgy, you know, that was how people knew what was going on. You know, before they had, mm-hmm. before they had all these fancy calendars and all that, they, they're really their two modes of knowing what um, what was going on, what time of year it was, was obviously like nature. You know, they were all, all farmers, so they had to know at that. But they also, mm-hmm. you know, they would learn about the feast days. They would learn about the saints by going to church and hearing the Tapari and the Kentakya. So hearing that and almost, I think about like, this was how people knew what was going on. This was how people learned. Like they, they didn't necessarily have like the, you know, the Sunday school or veggie tales, which is how I learned a lot of, uh, saints stories, <laughs> veggie tales. Um, um, they didn't have that. So instead they would come to church and that was, you know, this is my job now. I have to help. Um, I have to help the divine liturgy go and make sure that everyone, um, can understand and almost like teach, help the priest teach people about what is going on. Amen. I, I was I was just saying on this past Sunday that 
I always start out my children, almost always start out my children's homily by saying, "Were you guys paying attention to the gospel? <laughs> you know, yeah. were you guys paying attention to the epistle?" And I do that because almost nobody pays it, kids or adults. You know, it's like, <laughs> like we just we're so ADD in this generation. We have so much trouble focusing that if I asked, I think mostly this sounds horrible. I don't mean to be totally negative, but I'm just this is how I would be. I think if I was a lay person, if I if I chanted the gospel and then. Everybody kissed the gospel book, and then I started out by saying, "Okay, now can who? What what gospel do we just listen to? Like, tell tell me the story." I think maybe only half the people could. Mm. That sounds horrible, but that that's how I like. Unless I'm intentionally thinking I need to remember this, it's kind of on to the next thing, mm-hmm. right? So so, and I said to them, it 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 seems to me that back in the early church, when most people couldn't read. Mm-hmm. It was so much more important to understand the word of God. And mm. so you pay attention a lot more because this wasn't something you could just get at home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So right now we can just read our Bible at home. And so we, we certain stories like the Samar- Good Samaritan, et cetera, we just say, well, I've heard this a million times. I know it. We, we, we don't listen as intensely anymore because we can read it because we have read it. Um, but so there's something about that. I, I'm, I'm more aware of what Sunday is and more aware of the... The the feast, as you said, Shaley. Like if I if I heard a saint's name, like what's Amphilochus today and Gregory. So if I like who's Amphilochus, I I have no idea who that is. And so if I want to know who that is, I go to Matins or I go to Vespers, and I I may hear the Synoxari and the story of the saint. But then I also hear from their Traparian and Kentuckian, especially the Kentuckian, which are like little homilies again, little scrolls with with individual homilies on them, stories of the saints, etc. I learn who he was. So like today. Amphilochus was a was a man who was a ascetic and a monk for years. He was made the bishop of Iconium, and then when he was uh, during the council after the second ecumenical council, the emperor uh, Theodosius did not kick out all the Arians like he said he should. You know, you need you need to purge all the heretics, like get rid of all of them. He didn't for whatever reason, and so. Uh, Amphilochus went to go visit him, and then he had the emperor had Arcadius, his son, sitting next to him, and they were kind of co-emperors. He, the emperor was introducing his son, and so um, Amphilochus came and said, "You know," um, and gr- greeted Theodosius. Did not greet Arcadius, and and actually Theodosius got very angry and said, "Why didn't you greet my son?" And Amphilochus said, "Well, now do you understand why it's so important to defend the son of God against?" The heretics, mm-hmm. like they're disrespecting the son of God. You know, you now see what it looks like for someone to come in here and disrespect your son. It doesn't it make sense that you would be as passionate about purging all the heretics who are disrespecting God's son and calling him not truly and eternally God, which is what the Arians, the heresy that they believed. Um, so, so when, when you, you hear these stories and you go, if I can't read these on my own, if mm-hmm. I can't look them up online, and this is an essential part of my faith, then I'm going to be paying a lot more attention to the readings, mm-hmm. to like you said, Shaley, the Traparian, the Kentuckian, etc. And to the icons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's I think another that's, way that we know. That's part of the reason why it is all set to music, because you know you remember melodies more then you yes. remember just words. And so if it's chanted, um, not only will it, you know, back then we didn't have microphones, we didn't have a good understanding of acoustics, not only would it be louder so people could hear, um, but also you could remember it better because all of it was set to a melody. Um, and mm-hmm. so not only did music during the Divine Liturgy come about probably as sort of a practical sense of we need this sound to carry all the way to the back, um, and we need people at the back to be able to hear it, but also we need these people to remember, and we need these people to be able to know, you know, what's coming next, 
and be able to, you know, really process it. And so instead of just speaking it, we're going to sing it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could. I don't think I could speak. In my first or second attempt, the Nicene Creed. Right I was now. just about to <laughs> like, say that. Yeah, I was just I about could, to say I, I can chant it. the creed. I, yeah. I don't think I yeah. can just say it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I can sing it, and mm-hmm. um, and I think there are many things. Or like the Panahita. The Panahita. I don't. I think if I sat down, if I took myself an entire day, I could write out the whole Panahita, our Byzantine Catholic prayer for the dead. I think I could do that. But I promise you, I could sing it right now. And I don't oh, even yeah. use a book mm-hmm. when we, we do the Panahita. I could sing the whole thing right now, but it would take me a long time to actually write it out to think it without singing it. Mm-hmm. For me, even the Our Father. When I'm praying by myself, I sing it in my head. <laughs> I don't. I don't even. Well, part of the reason is because you know, before every meal um, at my grandparents' house, we do sing the Our Father. So I definitely hear it sung more than I hear it spoken. But even when I'm praying by myself, I don't make a conscious effort to like. Okay, now I'm going to sing the Our Father in my head. For me, the Our Father is always sung. <laughs> you know. Yep. So um, Ariana, who's here, made up a California playlist. Um, <laughs> Her and Sarah Stacy, who unfortunately could not come out, made a made a for uh, made a California playlist so that we listened to it today. We drove, we drove from LAX to Santa Monica, from Santa Monica to Malibu, from Malibu through the canyon, and took a long way to get back to my parish. And so she had party in the USA by Miley Cyrus stuck in her head. And so she says, well, she says, and I, I honestly I couldn't. I've heard that song probably a hundred times. I've never realized that it starts out with what landed in LAX. Hopped off the plane in LAX, which was exactly what she just did. Like she got off the plane in LAX, and then we're we're driving, and then she says something about something else that we were near anyway. And then I was like, "Well, we're about to go into Malibu, so we put on Miley Cyrus Malibu." And then we just listened to all these other songs as we drove through uh, plenty of Tom Petty, right? Tom Petty, Ventura Boulevard, and Reseda. <laughs> as we were driving through Reseda and, and Ventura Boulevard, um, but then I've had that stupid song. <laughs> Sorry, Miley. I know you listen. Um, I, I've had that stupid song stuck in my head <laughs> all day now, and I'm like, well, actually, props to her for for writing a very catchy song. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's like it, it becomes this earworm, and and instead of having a song that you're like, whatever, um, having having beautiful melodies and beautiful prayers in song stuck mm-hmm. in our head, it is much easier to remember, and it it glorifies God. It becomes yeah. praise. Yes. Amen. Let me see. I'm going to look at my notes real quick. Um, one of the things I did want to say actually is is that about um, actually. Let me ask you this, Shaylee. I'd lo- I'd love your insights as one who who is young and and loves our Lord. Um, one of the other things about singing um, that we right now there's a debate in the church, and some some Byzantine Catholics belong to parishes that have like beautiful beautiful choirs that sing all the harmonies and sometimes it the singing is so beautiful and I've been to this many times that it's really really hard to sing along. I I mm-hmm. celebrated a Roman Catholic wedding recently and the music the choir was absolutely gorgeous. Like I just wanted to close my eyes and sit back and listen. Um, but I, I I could not sing along. I'd never heard these mm-hmm. chants before, and it would have been very odd. I think I actually would have disrupted <laughs> if I had tried mm-hmm. to sing along. And that's that's the way it is in many Byzantine Catholic churches as well, where there's these beautiful choirs, and you just want to sit back and listen. Um, and I I think there's a place for that, 
Mm-hmm. But ideally, within our Byzantine worship, you it needs to be participatory. Like there's something like you need. This is why also we we generally don't have pews or shouldn't have pews in our churches. Is because sitting down makes you feel like a spectator so much. And if you stand up for the entire liturgy, of course, unless you need to, there's an obvious. It makes you more prone to participation. You mm-hmm. can move around a little bit more. You feel like you're you're active. It's even a little bit of strain on your body, so you're feeling like you're not just relaxed. Um, but now, and I, I saw this the other day, I met this rabbi, a Jewish rabbi in the coffee shop. And, and I said, oh my gosh, where's your synagogue? And he goes, oh, we're all online now. He said, since, since COVID, um, I sold the building that the synagogue was in and we're completely online. Now I've met many Christians them non-sacramental Christians that have done the same thing, right? That they've now mm-hmm. sold their properties and they are 100% online. And I thought this is this is the logical the logical next step in in having access to so many good and beautiful things online. And I'm sure I've said this before on this podcast, but people used to go to church and see the most beautiful things they've ever seen in their whole life in that church. Mm-hmm because the art was paid for by everybody and they could afford really good artists. They would hear the most beautiful music they've ever heard in their life in church. There was no, they didn't have record players. They didn't have MB3 players. They had none of those things. So they, they heard the most beautiful music they've ever heard. They saw the most beautiful things they've ever seen in church. Now that we have access to those things apart from church, people don't, they're not drawn to church for those same reasons. And now with, with most non-sacramental churches, non-apostolic churches, Going to um, for fully online, which I think is is a death knell, unfortunately for them. I, I don't think that's going to last. Um, but but there's a there's most people would say, yeah, that's fine. It, it, all it is is about me experiencing beautiful things, me alone in an individualistic way. They, there's this loss of a sense of community and the importance of that community. But Shaylee, how would you say? Do you have any insights into what is beautiful about singing in a congregation, live singing together, or, or how we can encourage people in an evangelizing way to desire contact that is more human in person, singing, participatory, physically in the same building, um, and, and how, how we can reveal the, the beauty in that that, that is leaps and, and bounds beyond the, the online culture that so many people are only immersed in now. Yeah, for me, it's similar to the difference between singing and playing an instrument. So, you know, I can do both. I, I enjoy playing instruments, but I also enjoy singing. And to me, you know, while both are valuable, you know, there's a certain value to being able to access things like, you know, faith-related things with the t- at the tip of our fingers, where before it was such a hassle, you know? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. there's, excuse me, there is value to that. Also, there's something much different as in like the difference between playing an instrument and singing is that in singing, you are the instrument. You know, it is inherently like you are the one making the sound. You are the instrument. You have to be so much more aware of everything that you're doing, whether it's breathing, your posture, everything. And it's the same with, you know, experiencing it firsthand versus experiencing it secondhand. When you're experiencing it firsthand, it is all around you. There's no escaping it. It's almost like you are the instrument, even if you're not singing. If you're in person and you're participating, you are part of that. Whereas online, while you certainly are experiencing it, you're not part of it, I would say, in most cases. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think that's something that our society is going to get away from and we're going to convince ourselves that, no, no, I should be getting... I should be getting 
everything I want online. Mm-hmm. I should be able to feel real community online because that's where my church is or that's where my synagogue is. It's completely online. So what? What? Why aren't I feeling fulfilled? I'm, I'm afraid that's where we're going to end up. Um, and we're we're already there. Even even in our most of our churches, I've shared this story before, but I think it's beautiful. We we asked our one of our teachers in seminary who was a monk. You know, in the Bible, it says that they're speaking in tongues. That's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy. Where are those gifts in our church? I've never seen those in my church growing up. I've never seen it here. Um, I've, I know that there are some charismatic churches that do speaking in tongues, but but whenever I ask them, is this the biblical speaking in tongues? They say yes, but there's two different kinds. There's the one that's for my personal prayer um, that is is kind of my, when, I, when I'm ineloquent, I, I speak in tongues and I and the Holy Spirit takes those tongues and translate them before God, somehow allowing me to pray better in tongues. But I have never heard, rarely, maybe a couple times at Stu Mill when I was there, someone say, I'm here to interpret tongues. Someone speaks in tongues, someone else interprets in tongues, or the whole group interprets whatever. So we we're kind of like, where is this? You know, this is a this seems such a big thing for Paul. Where is it in our church? And this monk just said, it happens all the time in the monastery. All the time. You know, in, in his experience in mon- at the monastery, um, I, I've never heard you talk about this mother and yours, but, but you know, that when, you, when you have a, a community that is really, really tight and needs to discern things, needs to discern, needs to listen to God as a community. And so you can have these gifts of the Holy Spirit within the context of the building up of the community, which is exactly what St. Paul says it should be. You're going to have those gifts where you may have one monastic one monk pray in tongues, another one interpret the tongues, another one speak prophecy, another one lead, another one govern. All these gifts that are happening, I mean, this should be happening in families. You know, if you want to discern something in the family, you know, we, we need guides in this. Our, our current generation is bad about that, but I, 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 I'm guessing if we really leaned into the, the scriptural way of speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues, I'm guessing it would be there, but that has to happen. So in other words, what I'm saying here is that even our current communal models are lacking something. Even our current communal models are are not as complete as as maybe they could be. Is there anything like that in in the in the monastery, Mother? Is there anything that that? Um, I don't. I don't want to throw you under the bus, but yeah, I don't. I don't really want to. Um, I don't want to go on that. Um, oh, topic. I'm going to just um, move on from that. I do have. I do okay. have a comment though about. Um, what you're saying about this this concept of um, like singing along versus just listening to a choir, uh, mm-hmm. because I've experienced this as well, of course, at, with um, various, um, I've been to lots of different parishes and lots of different cathedrals and things like that. And I think that it's part of, that's, that's for me, part of the beauty of the simplicity of our tones and the repetitive nature of our tones is that... Mm-hmm. Um, the average person can sing along with them. You know, I mean, there's, you know, there's always someone who's just like totally tone deaf and it's really hard. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, part of when I was learning to cancer, I was um, uh, next to someone very tone deaf for a lot of it. And I think that probably helped me. But uh, mm. so I think it's like our liturgy and our liturgical music is made for people to sing along, uh, even without musical training, so that you can more fully participate. Um, I think there is a time and place for like 
the very exceptional liturgies in which there might be some pieces that are choral or something like that. Like this is what I did for for the life profession, for my life profession, it was very important to me that the people could sing along. And so we used mostly just normal liturgy parts, but I did want um, there a choral piece for the Trubicon. I wanted the one from, from the outreach that I love so much because that's like part of my home. And so I intentionally didn't include the music in um, the booklet for that because I wanted it to be the the choir. And I knew if there was music there that some people who don't actually know it would try to sing along and, and so on and so forth. But um, but like for the mo- for most of the liturgy, I wanted people to be able to sing along, you know? And so I think that there's a time and a place for both. Um, but that it's like, you know, I was thinking of this, even when you're talking about the epistle and the gospel and, you know, people not remembering them. And uh, I... When I'm the lector um, and I'm chanting the epistle, I'm much more likely to remember it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, <laughs> I will say that there are times where I chant the epistle and then I sit down and I'm like, <laughs> I just don't remember anything I just said. Uh, but yeah. when, we, when we're actually like engaging with it in a more real way, uh, then we are more likely to to pay attention and to remember. And I think the same thing is true when we're singing along in the liturgy. You know, it's something that I tell even like my nephew when he gets really bored in church. You know, I'm like, I'm like, Angelo, if you sing along, like it'll go quicker. It actually just feels much longer when you're not participating mm-hmm. and you're just spending the time thinking how much longer is this mm-hmm. going to go on. And so there is there is something about that. You know, it's it's similar, I think, to this is my last thought on it, but it's similar to, I've learned that when I am in a class, um, even if I'm like at one of the theology of the body retreats or something like that, um, if I'm receiving information, I need to take notes. And this was true for me in college as well. Like in college, Mm -hmm. I came to the point where I realized I needed to take notes during class, not because of having the notes. Like I might never go back and look at the notes, but I'm much more likely to remember the Mm -hmm. information if I'm taking notes as it's going on and I'm like engaging with the content. And I think the same is true when we're singing in the liturgy. Like we're much more likely um, to actually make the prayer our own and to join our prayer with that of the community if we're singing along. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why the prayers are always, you know, much of the divine liturgy is the same always so that people can remember it and they can sing along every week without having a book to look at. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, Back when it started, people couldn't have books. And now it's just more practical for everyone to have it, you know, Mm -hmm. in their minds. So I think that's part of the reason why the music is, you know, why we have the tones that are relatively simple. So that everyone can sing along and everyone can participate. There's something about, I think we Americans need to catch up with with other countries. And that's at uh, soccer games or football games, as they call it. Um, there's chants. I mean, mm-hmm. that the entire stadium is just chanting these chants, like, and the, I mean, the whole place is just shaking. It, it, it's haunting. You can see how a home field advantage would be a home field advantage mm-hmm. because it's not only like a football games where where you just make noise. Like, like if right if if you're on if you're on defense, you're just you're just making as much noise to try to literally keep the quarterback from hearing and the, the line from hearing what the quarterback is saying. So you're making noise, but but in, in these football games, these soccer games, there's so much chant. Like, and you, you would never say, okay, 
um, this week at this game, we're doing this new chant. So memorize this new one or or read out of the books what this chant is, right? There, there, there's something about it's already memorized and you, you've said it a million times that you're still doing the same chants, et cetera. But, and, and one thing I want to say, and then Shaylee, maybe a final word after I'm done here, um, if you have any thoughts on anything you've talked about, either going off to college, making friends, or or chanting, singing. Um, but one thing I want to, I want to uh, springboard off of what you said, Mother Natalia, and that is, um, the the appropriate the different types of participation mm-hmm. or um, engagement at different times. So we have this on every Monday night. Uh, we have an Akathist, the Theotokos of the Inexhaustible Cup, and this is a parishioner of mine who's been doing addictions counseling for his entire career. He's now retired, and he wanted to bring his his experience and and talents with addiction counseling and serve the church when he retired, which is beautiful. So he discovered this Akathist to the, the Theotokos Inexhaustible Cup. And it's it's an it's an icon of of um I believe it's Mary and Jesus inside the chalice, but maybe it's just Mary behind it, Jesus in the chalice. Anyway, there's Jesus himself. Christ is the the inexhaustible cup. He never, in other words, he never runs out. We never run 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 out of this living water, this the Eucharist of Thanksgiving, that this this food that sustains us. Um, but 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 somebody um, he found this because someone had tied this into addictions recovery, and 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 what that can what that can mean. So he does this every night, um, and he 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 memorized as as best he could the Akathist hymns, and so I've been a couple times, and it's 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 so he sings it with such soul, such soul. But it, it's not it's not in any way something that you would say a trained singer would do. But he's singing, and so I actually, when I go now, I ask him to lead because mm-hmm. I go, I would I actually really want your style. I like the way you sing it with soul, but I think there would be a time where we say, we're gonna do this, we're gonna have this for a bigger group of people that are addicted um, or that have family that are addicted to something, and we're going to make a big deal of it. And so we're going to have a celebrant on the altar. We're going to have our normal choir, our normal chanter singing it. So it's going to take on a whole different spirit, the same prayer, the same akathist, but in a different spirit. And I think there's a way of saying sometimes there's a deep soul to it because this is such a grave issue, but sometimes there's a regalness to it where the whole congregation is singing. It's more beautiful that that, that same prayer can actually take on two different, a, a different spirit in each of those times. And both of those are worthy of that prayer in different ways. So the prayer is worthy of those two different styles at different times. Sometimes being re, very regal and um, kind of, uh, we stand in awe of the beauty of it. And sometimes we just say, I don't need that. Like I have a kid suffering right now or my son overdosed or something like that. I just need Rick Nimi <laughs> singing <laughs> from his soul and singing this beautiful Akka this Tim from his soul. And so the, even the same prayers can be sung two different ways, two different styles, and, and be very meaningful at two, at two different times. Mm-hmm. Any last thoughts on any of that, Shaley Bug? Um, I was just going to say in terms of being a college student and being Catholic, um, I'm sure most Catholic college students know about it, but Focus is a great resource. Um, yes, shout out to Focus. Our, our, Ariana works for Focus, so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm winking at her. <laughs> and my mom actually just sent me this link earlier today, but they have digital outreach too. So even if Focus is not on your campus, 
Like, for example, if you go to a small liberal arts college in the middle of Ohio, um, (laughs) you can still still, um, access all those things. Yes, that's a very good resource for college students. Also, Seek. Seek's pretty cool. Wow, getting all the focus oh, shout outs. Yeah. Shaylee's coming to seek too. So Ariana's going to be there. Okay. So you'll, you'll meet her, Shaylee Bug, yeah, in person. I, mean, um, I feel like uh, at some point, most, uh, I've just been around focus for so long since so many people in my family have worked for focus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's a it's a beautiful thing, and mm-hmm. that the focus is very good at not only orienting the faith in person and digitally, but also in getting friends, <laughs> finding good it's Catholic true, friends yes. wherever you are, and getting that community. I actually so, the yeah. other theme when I went to the Byzantine Youth Rally, um, I remember meeting two people, and actually one of them goes to Worcester, hmm. and I found yeah. her again, and I was like, oh. Uh, this is another nice. instance where she did not remember my name and I remembered hers. And I was like, hi, Kayla. And she was like, what? Who are you? <laughs> cool, we met at my the buddy last night, we were hanging out um, at this at this uh, bar downtown and um, he went off to the bathroom and he took like 10 minutes. I was like, what the heck? Something wrong? I was like, that. I was like Yo, you okay, bud? <laughs> then I found out that he had run into somebody outside the bathroom who remembered him from like 20 years ago when he was up in <laughs> Toronto. And he he didn't even remember their face. Sorry, Lyric, for throwing you under the bus. But he didn't even remember. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, Lyric? And he's like, uh, yes. And, and they, they, like, were, and they're like, remember me from Toronto like 20 years ago? I was like, I do not. But that's amazing, <laughs> your memory. So yeah, some people yeah, have that savant in them. That's how I feel about, you know, being the oldest grandchild. A lot of people will come up to mm-hmm. me and say like, oh, I used to know you when you were a baby. And I was like, great. That does not mean I know you, but hello. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, you're, now that you're an adult, it is it is weird for all of us that do remember you very, very well when you're a baby. Yeah. Um, my Shaley, Shaley, my one funny Shaley story before we finish up here. Oh, no. Um, I was in seminary when she was born. I mm-hmm. think I was a deacon when you were born. And so I would come home from seminary uh, when you were under a year old. And if I walked into the room, like there was all this family around, she knew them and they loved and they knew her and she loved her. And she was the only grandkid at the time, of mm-hmm. course. And if she saw me, she would start weeping, like <laughs> weeping. Like I, I was like an invader. I don't know if she's, you, oh, no. you, the look on your face means you don't know this, but oh my God, like, I'd Did walk you know into the room and I'd be like, no. I'd be like, hi, buggy. Like, mm. Oh no. Like, oh my God. Oh. I, felt, I felt so incredibly bad. And then and Stacy would be just like, it's just, you're just a stranger. And I'm like, I don't want to be a stranger. <laughs> Don't tell me that because I feel like that's how Adele and Rosie are gonna see me now. I know, Bug. Uh, no, oh. they're well. Yeah, they, they they're they're distracted by so many other. But also, there's now FaceTime. Like that's my true. my niece doesn't yeah, do true. that to me mm-hmm. because she like sees me on FaceTime, mm-hmm. even though so mm-hmm. so like Adele, they yeah, yeah they know you from FaceTime. That's true. That's true. And uh, yeah. I like to think that I'm Adele's favorite cousin because I am her godmother. <laughs> so hopefully that gives me extra points. You know, being the yeah. godmother and all. All right. Well, all involved. Um, we, we're getting to the hour point, so we're gonna we're gonna close this down right now. I'm gonna do a um, our spiel about where you can find us and how you can contact us, and then. Um, if all four of us could do a prayer intention. So I'll give you guys a second. I'll start. Just one thing to pray for. Um, and then our listeners, 
uh, will pray for these things as well as they hear it. So the, the prayer gets magnified and where two or three are gathered in his name. So if you guys want to think of a prayer intention for this episode, um, you can find us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can find us on all the different podcasting platforms. Just look up what God is not. Uh, if you find us on Apple Podcasts, please do leave a message and a uh, rating. I always forget what these things are called. A, a rating. We're also on YouTube. Uh, review. Thank you. <laughs> a review. We're also on YouTube. Audio only. We have a Goodreads page where there's quite the community all discussing what they are reading. And we show what we're reading. Shaylee, if you're not on there, you should definitely get on there. Shaylee's mm-hmm. a voracious mm-hmm. reader. Um and then uh, we have a nonprofit called Fotina, P-H-O-T-I-N-A, and we have a website called Fotina.org. Our, our nonprofit uh, supports evangelization. Of course, what we do, other people doing evangelization, we give a percentage to the poor, we give a percentage to the church. Um, so please keep that in mind. We are also on Patreon. Just look up what God is not on Patreon, and any money that goes through Patreon also goes to our nonprofit Fotina. Uh, we have a website, whatgodisnot.com. We have an email, whatgodisnotpodcast at gmail.com. And I think that, oh, I'm on Twitter at Padre Michael o, And I think that is everything. Um, so my prayer intention, as I say all that, I did not prepare myself. Just pray for Ariana, who's here. And she's here for Thanksgiving and be hanging out with me for the week. And pray for Sarah Stacy, who is too sick to come. And mm-hmm. we feel really bad for her. We were sending her at least one photo today. And she said she wanted photos. It wasn't just to make her feel bad. <laughs> um, also, please pray for the Titman family, who is the family that is going to be hosting us for this Thanksgiving. Also, um, if you can pray for the Fry family, uh, we're doing, they're hosting us on Friday afterwards. And they are. Um, some of my favorite evangelicals, a couple that lives up in Camarillo that's hosting a prayer night on Friday night. Um, and they're so such a beautiful giving couple that open their home to a bunch of people that come all the time. So pray for the fries as well. Thank you. All right, uh, Ariana. Good. He took my prayer intention for Sarah. So, <laughs> um, okay, please pray for the Lugo family and my teammates. Um, my teammate Lizzie, her brother Dominic, was in an ATV accident recently. So he, praise God, is like doing okay, but broken bones. Um, his hand was like crushed, but thankfully he didn't lose it. So just pray for um, his healing and their family. Uh, and also for my teammate Jake, who just had surgery, Jake Lines, um, for, yeah, just this condition on his face that's been bothering him for a nerve condition. So pray for his recovery as well. Mother. Uh, I will ask for prayers for my grandma, Roberta. We call her Gigi. Uh, she has Alzheimer's and, um, it's just got, it's, it's, um, progressing pretty quickly at this point. And she's moved in with my parents and they're taking care of her. But, uh, my mom doesn't have great health either. And so (laughs) taking care of someone with Alzheimer's is, is rough. But, um, uh, so yeah, pray for Roberta and then also my parents, Barbara and David, um, as they kind of learn to to navigate that situation. Yeah, um, please pray for my Nana, Cheryl, who had surgery yesterday um, for a cyst on her pancreas. Luckily, she's doing well. She's doing much better now. They said that she's going to spend one more night in the hospital, make sure she can eat, and then she'll be going home. So pray for her continued healing. 
Amen. And I'll finish with a blessing. May Lord bless you and keep you. God his face to shine upon you. Have mercy on you. May our Lord give you everything you need. May he encourage you in participation in the life of the church, especially when it comes to community. May our Lord give you the community through friendships. And may he give you confidence and humility. May he allow you to be vulnerable among your friends. And may he give you friends and family that truly love you, even in the midst of any weakness that you may be encouraged to share that weakness with others that you may be loved even in that weakness and therefore grow in the confidence that the Lord intends. May our Lord give you joy. May he give you hope as we continue in this season of the Nativity Fast. May our Lord give you a heart of asceticism, of prayer, fasting, of almsgiving, that you may truly encounter and receive the immense grace of the feast of the nativity of our Lord on Christmas. May the Lord bless all of you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.